It's true. <laughs> well, this is the You're life like that I live. This is the life that I live. Like <laughs> when I try to go with intention and like, but sometimes you just have to like let it intuitively. Like I think there's a difference between intention and, and intuition, and you have to just let. Try your best at intentionally doing stuff, but sometimes listen to the intuition that just says, like, here's an idea. And then to be fearless and courageous to then go, here's a crazy idea. <laughs> you know, in, in my 12-step life, I have learned that to be true with um, the intuition coming from being clean and sober and letting that in. Another cup for this night. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, will you be ordering something soon? Sure, I okay. know it. I'd like to order. Okay. Yeah. Can I get uh, a, like rye toast? Okay. How about bacon? Do you have bacon? Yes. I have a thing of bacon. So a side of bacon and a side of rye toast? Yep. And then some scrambled eggs. Do you like the bacon crispy or Surprise soft? me. Okay. Well, you want to just get the all-American or... Sure. Okay, so cause, and that comes with hash browns too. Then. I like it. Okay, all right. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah, as we were saying, you know, intention and intuition. Um, I had really no idea about connecting in with my intuition really before I got into program. Why? Because I was using a lot of substances and behaviors to push down what was inside, and um, in my and this has been a I mean a 40-year process. December it'll be 40 years that um, I've started this journey, and my life has been I can can't even tell you I would be dead by now if I weren't in program because you were that much of an addict. Well, I was is that, that what it yes, is? yeah, yeah. I'm still learning the vocabulary. No, you know, I was a, what they call a high bottom. What does so that? So functional. I, you know, I, my, my my parents and family back east would rather consider. Sure. Okay. Would rather consider me an axe murderer than an alcoholic because I drank way less than any of them. Gotcha. You know, never missed work. Never got. Never drank. You know, during those hours, well, except for when I worked with a law firm and my managing partner was a yeah. wanted company. But, you know, it's just like getting clean and sober has taken away a veil that um, makes it very easy for me to try to connect with people and individuals. And it's opened my life up, mm. you know? Do you think you... Not just you, like I'm using the word as like a human. Yeah. Do you think you are capable of being intuitive and listening to your intuition when you're not sober? No. no. So what is that? Is that us just thinking that we're capable of it? Or us thinking that we're listening to our intuition? Because I'm asking because I feel like I was intuitive and capable of it. But now I'm wondering... If I really wasn't, and then going forward, as long as I continue to stay sober, what's going to happen to my intuitiveness then? I have to think that it's only going to get more intense because... Um, I'm not sure if I can handle that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also have a belief, you know I'm pissed off at God right now. Sure. I have a belief that my higher power is going to give me what I can handle. Um, so when I... 
get into a situation like you talked about when your daughter was in the hospital, you know, maybe not having, if you say, a belief in God, whatever that sure, is. Sure, yeah. Who are you going to pray to? Though? Yeah, Power right. greater than myself. Would you be needing any hot sauce or ketchup? No, thank you. Um, I, I grew up as a recovering Catholic, so the burning bush that we talk about, praying for this, praying for that, yeah. and having it happen, and then going, <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. Um, he hasn't given me anything, really, that I couldn't handle. Now, Jack's death oh, put me on the precipice. Yeah. Of this, I can't. You can say and do anything you want. I just say that to make you, allow you to feel comfortable. Oh. Because I know some, like, I'm comfortable putting, like, most of my life out there. But well, some people are a, like, oh, I don't want to say this, I don't well, want to say know, that. Well, you know, as am I, because in recovery, they talk about you can't keep what you have unless you're willing to give it away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I am very protective of everybody else's anonymity that, that yeah. talks about. And that's why I, that's why I pass yeah. that forward and say, yeah. hey, I'm going to press record. But Yeah, but not me. Yeah. Not me. All right, cool. So. Well, let's break it down. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're about to get the real authentic. <laughs> See, there's authenticity, and then there's real authenticity. Cautious. <laughs> it's all perspective, my yeah. friends. It's yeah. all perspective. It is. It is. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I my my kind of disease was born in Jersey, and my recovery was born in California. Yeah. I know a lot of people in my life, truly healthy partners. Hmm. Do you think if you would have stayed in Jersey, you would have, like, been sober? And No, it would have been an entirely different world. I just got back from Jersey. Mm. And I'm reminded, I'm the oldest of five kids. Yeah. My parents died 25 years ago. Um, so my siblings kind of put me in the category as mom and dad. And I plug into all of their drama and dysfunction and I want to fix it and I want to help it and I get yeah and um, I got in touch when when I was home and I've been abstinent on this food program for 16 months never slept which I'm very proud of but when Jack passed I was like emotional eating I, no I wanted to I could feel this monster kind of inside go alright I'm awake now you know and so it was it's harder because I don't have my partner to right. do it with right but when I went back east all those comfort foods that I grew up as an Italian neighbor mm-hmm. and family were presented to me you know and I had to Every day, I just prayed for the strength to do what I needed to do to take care of myself emotionally and physically. Yeah. So. I think that goes back to what you said, like, God's only going to provide you... I'm, I'm not going to eat all this. God's only going to provide you with what you can handle. Yeah. Right? Well, there's another, there's another sentence to that. What? I just wish you didn't trust me so much. <laughs> Did you and I talk about that the other day? Because that's the second time I've heard that this week. I don't believe we have. Yeah. Uh, was it Mother Teresa? Is that a quote from Mother Teresa? I don't know. Yeah. Somebody just told me that. Somebody just told me that on Monday. They said, yeah, one of my favorite quotes is that, you know, 
I only can take what I can handle, but I wish that I wish he didn't trust me so much with it. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. At the time, I heard it there in a different setting. Yes. But hearing it here, it's totally true. Like, yeah, it's yeah, because so you want, it's like a, I was telling my wife the other day, we were talking about like awareness and who we are and, and how I do what I do and just the abilities of XYZ, right? And I was like, my gift is my curse. Yep. Like, it takes a lot to understand, to be empathetic, to listen, to hear, and then to be using the word again, like courageous enough to be like, here, this is what you should do, or this is how it, it, it could be. But like, it's also painful because sometimes you have to say things that don't allow people to feel very comfortable. Mm. But that's super respectful, and that's where it feels like a curse because it's like, damn it. I don't want to offend this person. Well, you know, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to my 12-step life and meetings. That they say that there's, there's no crosstalk. So if you were to share something with me, and then I would right afterwards look at you and say, well, you should do this, or you should do that, or some sure. something that puts the should into that, yeah. it automatically, that person just, you know, feels... Right. They, I mean, literally, you can see them sit back and put up a wall. Right. So the way I feel most comfortable with is if I'm going... Is, is this bacon cooked enough for you? Sure. Okay. Just want to make sure. Thank you. There you go, Troy. You're welcome. Thank you, Derek. You're welcome. Um, is, is sharing from my perspective. Right. You know, so instead of you should do this, you should do that. You know, I can relate to that because in my life, and this is how I handle it or this is how it didn't work. So it's a kind of a just keeping on the, those I statements and keeping it about me instead of trying to make it about you. Because right. I am not a judge of what you should or shouldn't do, even right. if my ideas are fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Try to tell them. Yes. Try to tell them. <laughs> they didn't listen. And God, I'm not going to say I told you so. <laughs> they didn't listen. <laughs> They just looked at me all awkward. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well. I haven't laughed as much as I laughed last night in a long time. Oh, <laughs> it I was know. Funny. It was funny. It was. And it was a beautiful, serene setting, so it felt comfortable. But you know when I went and had coffee? Yeah. I don't think I told them uh, decaf. Oh, so you had co- you had so, caffeine. Uh, I had caffeine. We were too. And I went back to the room, and I'm like, Laura, Laura and we I were... are talking, and I'm like, what? I should be sleeping now. Nope. 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 <laughs> we were infatuated by Tina, the Swedish girl. Oh, you were. <laughs> I wasn't. We were mesmerized by her eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could she tell she was not um, originally American. Yeah. Because she smiled a lot, and her English, the way that she used yes. the English like dialect, yeah. like her and it, and it intrigued me because that's what when I started talking to her, I was like, "Where are you from? Like, it's not here. You, you don't carry the, you don't carry, I guess, the stigma or the personality or the process of of a of a yeah. full American." Yeah. Yeah. And when when she said that she was from Sweden. like Sweden, She's I was like, Sweden. "Okay, there it is." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, other countries do such a fabulous job teaching their... Of being American. 
<laughs> and sometimes Americans have a really tough problem <laughs> teaching our own. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's true. It's terrible. Such a loss of society. <laughs> so, tell me about your work work, your employer work. All right, so what do you do? I am officially uh, the director of business development with Freestone Reconstruction and B. Taylor Painting. B. B. Taylor Painting. Okay, okay. So B. Taylor Painting started somewhere about 20 years ago or so. Um, it was from a, uh, the owner's name is Brian Taylor. He used to work for one of the major general construction companies that had a painting company. And then um, he worked for another like subcontractor or something like that. And then um, slowly but surely, like he recognized that he wanted to start his own business. And so he started doing work for um, homeowners associations and property managers. And then I had worked for another general contractor back in 2004, 2005. And I had had a project up in Walnut Creek. And a, the, comp, the painting company that I had on the project was not doing a very good job. They were not covering, their paint was not covering the knots on the wood. And so you could see the bleed oh through. Goodness. And so we brought the owner of that company in, and he sat in front of me and the owner of my old company, and he just lied. He just talked so much crap about me and said I was this and I was that, and he was doing it the way it was. And I could see in his lips how he was not telling the truth and mm -hmm. sitting in front of us and just lying. So I, they, he left, and I looked at the owner at the time of that company, and I was like, he's lying? That's not right. And then the owner looked at me and goes, call this guy. So he gave me Brian's card. So I met Brian in like 2004 or 2005, and I brought him on site. He just was perfect. Everything was cool. Finished the project. We were happy. And then that almost, I like to think of it as that like started the process of us using, continuous, continuously using that company in that particular mm -hmm. GC. Mm -hmm. So Brian had been always talking to me. He's like, when do you want to come join my company? Yada, yada, yada. And I was like, no, it's just not there. I just, I was like, painting? How are you going to get with the painter? What were you doing before that? I was uh, working for a GC company, but I had started as a carpenter and okay. then went to a foreman, then went to a superintendent and then got into the office as a production manager. Okay. And then I went to school for construction management. Right when CMing started to come out, because I was like, there's this new big thing that's coming out. It's construction management and da-da-da-da-da. So and I've got I, smarts, mm -hmm. right? But as soon as I got into CMing, I was like, this sucks. Because basically, what I felt at the time was a lot of liability was being placed on the CM, but the CM was not accepting it, and they were diverting the process to other contractors, mm -hmm. right? Get the subs. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I didn't like that. So I was like, I'm not going to go down, down that road. Um, and then I did a couple other stints and some other couple other companies. And then uh, this year, I uh, ended up getting laid off from a company for the first time in my life. <laughs> and so, yeah, so like 22 years of work and they like basically let me go. So, um, and, and I think it was, it was just two different strategies, right? There was like me and the company and we were moving down this direction and we just decided it just wasn't, yeah. wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. So then I took a couple weeks off and I texted Brian and then he's like, are you ready to come over? He was waiting. <laughs> so we fast forward, right? Like 14 years later. And I was like, yeah. And then he said something to me that totally made sense. He said, you know, the last time I like, we 
we cross paths like words like we meant mixed or minced words and and i lost you then and he's like and i want to make sure that we understand what we're talking about here so we met and then i said well what's the position he said director of business development and i said what does that mean and he's like that is not marketing that is not advertisement that is anything and everything that allows us to continue the growth pattern and allows us to build deeper relationships with our clients and when he said that i was like oh business development is not marketing it's not advertisement it's like a deeper it is it is but i think it includes all that it does yeah but it's operations and it's procedural it's all this stuff so those are all the hats that i've worn yeah so um so yeah so that's who i work for now and basically we have two regions in norcal uh painting and gc and then in socal we have a painting company uh same one b taylor yes but the team is growing and when I came in, I just looked at everybody and I said, I'm just here to compliment your abilities and help you where you can, you know, where you think you need help or feel that you need help. And so the first part of the process is building trust. Absolutely. It's, it's you don't know me. I don't know you. And it's not what by your you know? words. It's by your actions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's who I work for right now. And then I also own a food tour. Uh, Tell me about that. Uh, Livermore food tour. It's a walking tour in downtown Livermore. It's food and wine. And so you go online, you buy tickets, and then you come out and we tell you stories of downtown Livermore, and we feed you wine, and um, we allow you to drink wine and, and eat food. and eh. That's very interesting. I've never really heard about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, as a recovering alcoholic, I would I kind of stay away from mm-hmm. you know alcohol events, but... Um, What's neat about that is it's such a, you know, I'm, I'm a transplant from Jersey, and so what I did to get to know the town was I joined the local bowling team. That's <laughs> you a know, good way. Jersey, mm-hmm. that's Jersey's national sport. Small ball? <laughs> huh? Small ball? No. Not botch. Big ball. Yeah, big ball. Mm. Couldn't bowl worth the shit, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I met a lot of people. So mm-hmm. something like the food tour, you're learning about your community. That's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. So you, is it strictly in Livermore? Or? Strictly in Livermore right now. Um, I couldn't figure out why I was buying that company. And I discovered it afterwards. I decided that I wanted to be the one solely that did the tours for the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered... Quality control. Quality control, yeah. <laughs> Dive in. Action. Right. Show. Do. like, And then go, okay, now I know what I shouldn't do and what I should do. But what I discovered, the biggest thing that I discovered in that whole thing was that I love food. I loved wine. Or I still love wine. And... Um, what I discovered was that I didn't have a, a direct point of my story. Like, my story used to be, oh, I did this, I came out to California, and yada, 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 and it was like all over the place. Yeah. But as I did so many tours, I started to get tighter and tighter yeah, and you tighter. Hone it. You hone it in. And so that whole company, I believed, was for me to discover my story. So now when anybody asks, like, where I came from, or how did I get to California, I easily say, in 2003, I was working building barns, like horse and bean barns. I knew it was going to be super cold. I knew I couldn't do it for the rest of my life. So I went home and I grabbed a New Hampshire quarter and I flipped it. And as it was in the air, it said, Heads California, Tails Florida. You mentioned that. And it ended up California. So I came out for six weeks, traveled up and down the state, fell in love with Livermore, had a beer in downtown Livermore, and said, Something's here. I'm coming back. 
So I stayed here from uh, after until after New Year's of 2004. Went home, home, told my family I was coming back. And how old were you when you made that? 21. See, I was 22 yeah. when I left everything I knew in Jersey and came out here. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so that company allowed me to Such find that. It allowed me to find that gift. That like, oh, you need to be more direct and more to the point and more and hone in and hone in and hone in until until your story creates the image in people's brain that they can see it and they can be there. So what I always try to do now with everything that I do is take them there. Yes. Come with me. Yeah. Let's go on an adventure. Yeah. Well, people learn more generally. When you tell them a story, yeah. you know, and uh, sitting around a campfire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of learned that in the twelve-step rooms, you know, because in, in with the concept of you can't keep it if you're not willing to give it away, I uh, would speak at in large groups and tell my story, and uh, story of recovery. And as you said. As that happened, I really learned who I was. Can you go deeper with that? You can't keep it if you can't give it away, is it? Yeah, you can't keep what you get from the program, which is a closer, it, it developed my spirituality. You know, as a recovering Catholic, uh, you, I could, I considered myself when I was very young as religious, you know, in the church. Mm -hmm. And a number of things happened to me in my life that made me kind of run away from the church when I had the opportunity to make that choice myself. Mm -hmm. And getting into 12-step programs, I realized it wasn't God I didn't believe in. It was the Catholic Church and some of their teachings. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's increased my spirituality. It's increased my self-awareness, as we talk about. Just by finding that gift of separation. all that, yes. By being clean and sober and aware. And so... In that process, and you work the steps. You know, you're reading uh, AA material, the big book, the story of Dr. Bob, Bob and Bill Wilson, the first two that got together and put that very first meeting of AA in their history. Um, so you you learn that you you know for some people it doesn't work and they don't come back and that's okay. For, for me, it did. But part of the tools in recovery is service. And service is a lot of things. Service is going to meetings, setting up chairs, talking to newcomers, um, being a sponsor. And all those items are ways that you can give it away. All right, so next newcomer that comes in, I mean, honestly, my very first 12-step meeting, they mention, I got there, they mentioned God with a big G. <laughs> and I sat there, and if my legs could have picked me up and ran out of there, I would have left the meeting. Because I was afraid of the Bible thumpers, quote unquote. I was afraid that the room was going to be, they were going to suck in some, or pump in some... Juice. Yeah, something to, to make me roll around and speak in tongue. And I like, accept it. I'll drink the juice. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I stayed for the entire meeting. And it, as people shared their story, I realized it wasn't the God that I was afraid of or that they were talking about. It was a power greater than myself. And they said it could be Yoda. 
It could be electricity. It could be anything, but it can't be you. You know, when you're at your spiritual bottom, you have to know that there's, or believe that there's a power that's greater than yourself that you can ask for help. So, by me saying then, I'm not, we're not really religious, that's not true. We're not really religious in the religious sense, as most would think of it, as religion. There's a difference. There's a difference between religious, religion and spirituality. Yes. You can be spiritual, and I am spiritual, in my own home. If God is everywhere and can hear me, why do I need a middleman? Right. To forgive my sins in confession, to, you know... So anyway, that's where I ended up. You know, and in service, I feel like if God puts somebody in my life, it's for a reason. I have to be really aware of that. And I just have to be me. I don't sit around Bible thumping. I don't sit around trying to grab somebody at a meeting. There's another saying that, you know, sometimes we're the only big book that somebody will read. So our actions are all related to... Whoa, that's powerful. What's in there? We're the only big book that others will read. Because they watch our actions. Yeah. You know? So... Yeah. And that... I mean, it's very fitting, right? Because I, I, I read 52 books in a year, a couple of years ago. That's a book a week. And I've asked my wife over toothbrush conversations, like, how did I get to be who I am right now? Like, what the hell happened in my life? <laughs> and she literally went back to that year. She said, that year you read 52 books. You were on a mission of finding something, basically. Yeah. And she goes, and about halfway through, you just, like, something clicked in your head. So those 52 books, what kind of books were they? Were they just novels? There or? was No, there were self-help books. Uh, there yeah. was business yes, yes, books. Yes, yeah. there, was, um, uh, there was marketing books. There was, there was spiritual, one would call spiritual books. Like I found from a business book, the author mentioned a book called The Art of Living. And so I, as I did, went to Google and went The Art of Living, and I found it on Amazon. And it's literally like a 32-page thick book. Uh-huh. And it has one page on each, it has one like saying or psalm on each page. And it talks about the art of awareness, the art of loving, the art of sales, the art of being, the art of happiness, the art of loss, like all of it. And so what There's I- reference into the Bible or how- it Some reference it, yeah. into the Bible. And some of them okay. were like clear, but some were referenced in the Bible. And it was made in the 60s. Oh, wow. Like 1962, right? By Schluter or something like that. And it's this, it arrived in a case. It's, it was like a like a book that was gold. It's golden. And it arrived in a case that just fit perfectly. Wow. And you would carry, I think the intention would be to carry it around like a smaller Bible. Mm-hmm. And you could just like kind of flip to that. Yes. So what I started doing that year is when I found that book like halfway through the year, I would carry it with me. And before every meeting, I would close my eyes and I would flip it open and go, what is life or God making me read and what do I need to be aware of? I love that. I do that all the time. And then I would read it and go, okay, I wonder what that means. So while I was in the high-powered meeting negotiating, you know, a $100,000 contract, I was thinking about this other thing (laughs) and trying to, like, perspective it, right? So, um, (laughs) so yeah, um, 
I got to 42 or 43 books, and my mind melted. <laughs> and I was talking to a friend, and I was like, I, I don't know what's happening, but like, Overload. I, I can't even put words together. And he's like, bro, read a comic book. <laughs> So I was like, "What?" He goes, "He goes, read a comic book or something else. Yes. Like, just let your mind go. Like, stop. You, you're overthinking, is what he was saying. Like, yes. you can go on a journey, like the alchemist journey, go so far, and then like you're just diving down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And so what I started to do was, um, I started to uh, read. My next like three or four books was just random stuff. I need some more cream too. Um, things that had just random oh. stories, and that's what got me to where it was. And then I could go back to finish all the books and stuff. Everything's good so far. Yeah, Everything's in fact, good. do you want any fruit? No, I'm okay. Could you just box that up for me? Please? Of course, thank you. Um, I read *Man's Search for Meaning* uh -huh. by Viktor Frankl. Uh -huh. Have you ever read that book? No. It's an awesome book. Uh, it's by Viktor Frankl. He was a psychologist or psychiatrist in the um, during the Holocaust, and he spent oh. time in the in oh the whole encampments God, and doing oh that God. and he tells just some amazing stories of what he's seen where like rats were eating the guys like the guy's oh, skin at night me. it was crazy and yeah. then um i read uh what other book was it i read another book called be bold um and it was a book about elon musk and a book, like, uh, talked about PayPal, talked about the, the, the companies he had. And then I started diving in near the end of the year. I started diving into these people that are our, our current geniuses, the people that nobody pays attention to. Not Steve Jobs, people like Elon Musk, people like um, Pinker, Steven Pinker, Steve, people like um, uh, Godin, Seth Godin. Um, he's like a marketing branding genius. Um, people like Guy Kawasaki, uh, Peter Thiel, which is the creator of PayPal. Um, and then I fell on to um, Peter Diamandis. Peter Diamandis. Peter Diamandis created the X Prize. And the X Prize is basically events that happened in the world where he gets scholarships and funding, millions of dollars worth of funding, from billionaires. And they ask the world's toughest questions. Like they'll ask and say, we're going to host the contest for the next year. And you come up with a product or service or process to clean the ocean. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's on a mega level. <laughs> when you say dream big, we're talking like dream insane. And so I started diving into him and he has this thing called Peter's Rules or Peter's Laws. And it's like 20 different things that Peter's Laws like, you know, just that he follows, right? Mm -hmm. It's like his mantra. And one of them on there was like, when you get the answer no, ask the question a different way. Uh -huh. So I started I, that. I started following those, but it was things like that. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what got me through that year. Those were the types of books that I was reading, and one thing led to another, and then I just started asking the crazy questions. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. And, and is this going to be what, one check or do you need separate checks? This is one check. Right, one check's fine. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and leave it for your convenience, but please just take your time. Cool. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, so that was that That was that was year. That's what happened. That was an amazing year. Yeah. And when was this? Um, I think it was 2015-ish. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of when the digital legacy started. I joined, I wanted to get into community, and then I, I 
I was in, I was uh, on the board of a um, school, like it was like a school board mm -hmm. where we raised money for, mm -hmm. for the town in Livermore. Because my passion like was always kids and how to yeah, kind of do community. that mm -hmm. and community. And I did that and through there I met somebody who was like, hey, you should do a TED talk. And I was like, what? I've always wanted to do one. I had it on my like list. And she was like, yeah, they're coming. We're doing one here in Livermore. And so I reached out that night. And then the next day, they reached back out to me and said, let's meet. It was like a month, Tuesday You've night. You've done one? Yeah, I did a TED Talk about living a digital legacy. Yeah. All right, August, so you're going to have to show me where that is yeah. so I can see yeah, it. Yeah, it's that's, on YouTube. That's, that's part cool. of your social social training. Oh. Find Kevin Hempel, TED Talk, living a digital okay. legacy. Okay. Oh, God, oh, God. Yeah. And so I did that talk, and through that process, here, here's a person that changed my life. I met, I was gifted Kathy Ohms. She was our coach. So when you do a TED Talk or a TEDx Talk, every, everybody gets a coach. All right. And she was gifted. And so she's working with me for like six weeks or whatever, and we're going through, and I'm writing this story about how my grandmother did this, and I discovered that, and da-da-da-da-da. And, and one day I'm talking to her, and I'm, when I talk, when I speak, I tend to like pace because that's, that's just my process. Sure. And so I'm pacing in my living room, and I've got her on the phone, and I'm like, you know, I want this talk to be like like how um, Gandhi would have said it or how, like, Mother Teresa would have said it or Steve Jobs, like, captures that. And I'm, like, talking about all these people, right? And she goes, Kevin, stop. And I'm like, what? And she goes, she stopped me in my tracks. And I was in the kitchen standing on, like, the first step of tile. And I go what and she goes why do you keep talking about all these people like they have what you don't have right i was gonna say the exact same and thing. i went hmm. it kind of sounds arrogant to say that i'm like steve jobs or i'm like gandhi or i'm like mother Teresa, or i'm like all these other special people that i'm i was holding on a pedestal and she said kevin you have what they have you don't think they had bad days you don't think they like peed themselves you don't think they did all these other things and I was like, you don't think you're they right, they did. At something. <laughs> and then she said this. She says, you have an inner genius. The same one that they have. It's the same process. You just need to find it. Good. And when she said that, it like flipped the script. And I was like, oh, I get it. Good. Everybody has that inner genius and ability to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. And so, and then there was like a series of things that just kind of happened. And, that is cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I get to learn a little bit about what, what makes you work. Yeah. I'm still learning. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm do something and I'm still <laughs> learning. We never stop, I guess. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'd like to think that that's, that's the process of living. You're not living anymore if you stop. You know, you just... Learning, learning something new. I think that's a challenge every day. I'd like to do that. Um, I, I just believe that that's really, really true. Mm -hmm. Those people that are around me that are seeking new things and are trying to evolve and make themselves better and be better for others, I like to be around. You know, I have enough people that I know in my life. Not friends, but you know, maybe some people in the industry and where you identify and go, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's just an energy sucker. <laughs> I call or, them energy vampires. Oh, see, there you go. Energy vampires. That's what I call them. <laughs> yeah. That's why when I was telling the, um, last night, when I was telling the girls, like, 
be careful who you're around. Like you are your top five, ten people that you hang out with. Yeah. Like look at that. Yeah. And I was telling my wife the other day, it's not just the top five people you are physically around all the time, but it's the top five people you are watching and, and paying attention to. Yeah. So if you bring that full circle to social media, everybody's just thumbing aimlessly through their news feed and they're absorbing the information that the people that they're friends with and I think it's highly important to pay attention to who's on that list yes. and who's showing up yes. because you're absorbing that at a subconscious level at a, at a, at a conscious level and I, I, I know that we can control that feed and we can control what we can consume and so when, when we say like pay attention to the five people you're with it's not just physical it's also on social yeah no you're right you're right um, I've been around a lot. Yeah, it, it, I'm a, from a Disney family because of all the trade shows and CACM. Disney, and Disney. We yeah. love Disney. So uh, the analogy of uh, those negative people—they're the Eeyores, mm -hmm. and the <laughs> exciting people are the Tiggers. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be an Igor, but now I'm a Tigger. Yeah. I'm glad you're a Tigger. The Eeyores, they're like, oh, my God, even the way they talk, they're, oh, God, you're killing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you only got, from what we know, you only have one shot at this damn life. And what is it? It's like There's like a number. It's like 400 billion to one. To one for what? To be a human. You could have been a tree. You could have been a plant. You could have been a bee. Really? You could have been all these other things. But we became human. So in this day, in this age, so in this time, what are you going to do with it? Like, yeah. holy smokes, when you think of it that way, like, the, oppor the opportunity that we have right now because of the internet and because of the disasters that we've seen in our lives, we could literally say, and I do, that we're living in the best time ever. Ever. Technologically speaking, absolutely. Yeah. The, the pace in which things are changing compared to right. decades ago, absolutely. Sometimes I question, because of the other things that are going on, whether that's really true sure for enough. me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but, well, that might be just an experience. Yeah. That might be just a moment in time like the weather. Bad days come and go. Yeah, that's Things very happen. Yeah, that might just be an experiential process that's happening right now. But like you said before, you're being given what you can handle for some lifelong fucking stupid ass reason. Yeah. Well, you know, when Jack passed, it's very sudden. I had a lot of people at my house. I had some Jersey people fly in. I was really having lots of trouble sleeping. And um, it was like 2.30 in the morning, and I had to leave the chaos of my family and the rest of the house. And I went in and shut the door in my bedroom. And I was feeling dizzy, and I took my blood. I'm a diabetic. It's right now under control with my food plan and stuff. However, I took my blood because I felt dizzy, and it was 64. 
and that's really low. It's the lowest that I had experienced, really. And I was like, I said to myself, good, I'm ready. And I got into bed and I pulled the covers over my head and I was just like, I want to be with Jack. And then like a ticker tape, you know, going through, I saw my grandkids and my kids and special people in my life. Mm. Just, and it was, <laughs> I was so pissed because I'm like, this is God's way of telling me, uh-uh, <laughs> you're, you're not, not ready. You're not ready. He threw the curse back. I'm like, okay. you not, you, you may be ready, but I'm not letting you go yet. <laughs> so, Can I get a box for that? Of course. Thank you so much. For everything? Sure. All right. Okay. So Thank I you. went and I um, took a glucose tablet, which raises and then I just went back into bed and went over <laughs> my head. And I was so exhausted that I fell asleep yeah. really quickly. When I woke up in the morning, I just realized, uh, you know, that although I was in pain, I was still alive for a reason that I had. And those reasons flashed in front of my eyes. You know, that I want to see my grandkids, all of them get married, go to college, and, right. you know, have a life. I want to be part of that. I was a young Nana, so I want to be able to enjoy that. So it was a, a, a balance, you know, of the love of my life gone. Yeah. And if I'm to believe my spiritual <laughs> upbringing, I will see him again. Right. <laughs> Compared to my family and friends on earth that I want to be around. Yeah. But it made me mad. I realized. And that was your body, like, I think of it like this, your body, you were, your ego was having a emotional reaction to the process and the experience. And your body reacted by probably rushing chemicals into your brain that made you hallucinate and see the ticker. And the hallucination guided the images of your life that flashed before your it's, eyes. It's exactly. It's like what they say when you're in a, that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be going on a break right now. Okay. Fernando's taking over if you need anything while I'm gone. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay, I put just, a fork in there. Just maybe some more coffee. More coffee? Sure. Thank you. You're welcome. And so your body's natural reaction protected you just like it used to do when you were in a cave. Yeah, yeah. And then you had the self-awareness enough to go, I have to go off of this and take that and go back to bed because I yeah. can't deal with this shit. No, you're right. You're right. Because I was willing to say, okay, if it's if my glucose is tanking, I know the, what can happen, and I'm going to let it happen. Yeah. So I had that choice whether I was going to let it happen or not, as mad as I was. Right, yeah. <laughs> and that's trauma. So you were asking, or you were saying like, how I went through, or my wife went through, or my daughter went through, my daughters went through that Malia's experience. That's trauma, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you That's said, Fernando, if you need some, thank you, darling. He'll be by to check on you. You're very welcome. Thank Have you. a wonderful thank day. You, you too. too. And you know something you had said though was, um, his death came quick. And in my head, when you said it, I said, what death doesn't come quick? One that you're in, you have cancer and you, you have a potential to prepare. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you have an opportunity. The, yeah, I mean, my husband. We came, we got back from Hawaii. We were two weeks in Hawaii. 
our favorite place in the United States. We got back, we're both on this food plan, he, he's doing really well, you know, and we go to sleep, and yeah. I have to discover him dead in our bed. I am yeah. torn with that too, because right. the blessing is he didn't suffer. He right. was in the exact position he was in when he went to sleep, so there was no suffering, and I I pray for that for myself too. Right. You, you don't want to be screaming <laughs> and hot and in pain. In fact, his mother died in our bathroom, same way, had a heart attack on the toilet. So I said to my son, okay, Mike, grandma died in here. Daddy died in here. If I die in here, sell the fucking house. No more family members move in here. No, you just sell the house. You just left. He goes, you can count on that. So where you're at right now, why do you, do you, do you like have a, a, a temporary idea on why you're placed here and why you're doing what you're doing or what you're supposed to do? Or are you just on the journey? I think it's a continual journey of what my life has been in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, program they talk about, you know, when a major life event happens, you don't make any changes for a year. For a year? Yeah. You kind of let things settle in. People ask me, are you going to stay in your house? Are you going to move to New Jersey? Are yeah. you going to, you know? Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm staying where I am. I'm, yeah. you know, I... I have an issue of I'm trying to get a, my new business together, and because um, I don't have an income stream. Why, why are you trying to and not just? Because in my old, in the company that I established, my son, thank God, came in it's like eight years ago. We're in the business, and it's always was my exit strategy to turn that over to him. But uh, being from New Jersey, retirement is a four-letter word. My people kind of work until they die. Yeah, you work until you die. So, um, circumstances that got me to the place that our company couldn't pay both of our salaries. Gotcha. So I made a choice. You know, if the if the intent was to have your son take over the company, in addition to the fact that I was so traumatized by events yeah that um, I pulled back and my son was unwilling to take ownership legal ownership of the company for his own reasons I don't want to talk about sure Um, but I've told him that he has until the end of the year because I really need to be able to market my new company but I'm still connected to the old company. Right. Everybody. Yeah. That's a, it's a problem yeah. when you have like two or three companies. I run into that problem all the time. Yeah. It's like, you work for who? Okay, so I work for this company, but I own that and I do. And I think that's a brain thing that people have difficulty understanding because they're, they're just like, I, I do my job. I work my job and that's all I have. Or I own this business. But when you get somebody like you or myself or other friends that I have, we do like several different things. Yeah. And it's tough to yeah. keep it all in mind. So for... Um, and for branding, it's a disaster. It is. It's just like a, I've been dealing with it for six years. That disaster. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone's like, Kev, what do you do? So that's why I'm trying to keep this really clean. Yeah. Get out of there. This is yours now. 
I mean, you've been Smart. really working as if it is for two and a half years. Yeah. So let's cut that. And I can work on this because the day after I left, physically yeah. I left the office, I went down and filed my fictitious business name statement. Started the next started one. The <laughs> Shut that door, open this so one. The, so the city is going, yeah. uh, here's your license, but you didn't fill out any income. I didn't make any income. You didn't. It, it's been two years. Now I had to make any income. So yeah. I had to give them a state, a notarized statement. I didn't make any money because you can't charge me any for right. my business license. Yeah. And uh, so I want to get that going. But what I do now is if see if there's events that are put in front of me. Yeah. Like I'm asked to speak on a certain topic. You're that speaking I'm under the new. Then yes. Smart. Well, what I do is I'll say um, Pro Solutions DBA. You know, right. Venice, yeah. So that's yeah. right, and that's right, and that's okay. So I was speaking to one of the girls that was with us last night, one of the ladies, and she had asked. She says, "Kev, how do you think the way you think, and how do you do the what you do?" And so I started to tell her, like, I actually said, like, from somebody else, I was like, "What's the return of investment from your mom?" Right? <laughs> like, you want me to tell you my life story? So when I was like two, right, like. And then she kind of laughed, and I was like, no, really, this is how it, how, how it is, and this is kind of what I do. But what I was explaining to her was about her company. I said, I have a concern that the company is, is in this form, and sometimes with businesses and companies, you start heading in this direction, and then it gets so crazy that it ends up falling down the rabbit hole, and you haven't tied a rope around that process to have somebody pull you back out and say, wait a second, you're going down the wrong direction. I said, so what I challenge you to do is ask yourself daily, what is the product, service, or company, or thing that could come and kill me? Kill oh, my company, kill, kill my business, kill my process. Like, what can, what can shut me down? And when you think in that form, you then go, huh, I'm lacking that, I'm lacking that. Should I focus on this? Should I focus on that? Yeah. The other thing that I told her was... You know, cell phones aren't built by one company alone. Cell phones and any other technology are built by several different smaller businesses that then allow you to make one product. Right, the components. All the yes. components of it. Yes. And com big tech companies acquire small yes. companies and all this other stuff. I said, so think of your business like a cell phone. What else could you do if you were going to come out with a new product or new service Let's say that I want to put a new glass on the back of my camera on my phone. So maybe get a small team, a committee or somebody, and go out for some different product or services or something and see if it works. If it works, then you can bring it into your company and it's yours. Yeah, that's a good idea. If it doesn't, you cut the arm off and you yeah. walk it away. Yeah. Yeah. Get that? Indeed. So I think it's cool that you're doing what you're doing because it's... It's testing the waters. Yeah. It's seeing what floats, what works. Lots of people, when they say, I want to be a business owner, I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to do this, I want to take the leap. Fucking great. Get ready. Because it's quicksand. Amen. And you're going to die several times. Amen. I literally look at them now and go, how many lives do you have? When I looked at it, when I looked at I because my law firm, uh, I worked for a partner that I'd met at another company. Uh-huh. And he was also from Jersey. He was a Jersey Italian. He was a, my mentor. Yeah. And he came to me and he said, there's a lot of stuff going on in the insurance industry. I might not have a job as a partner. I think you need to go out and look. 
And then my law firm wrote a letter to all my homeowner clients saying, we're no longer going to be doing this kind of work. We recommend that you go with Pro Solutions. Janet Quinn Dennis has been working your files. And I had an agreement with them. Any file that came over with me, um, when I got paid, I would pay them for the work, you know, whatever work yeah. accumulated at the time. And so as you talk about the lead, for me, the analogy, I worked on the 41st floor at One Market Plaza in San Francisco. You know, the um, Indiana Jones, when he goes out, I forget what movie it is, but when he goes in, he's in the cave, and he's got to walk out, and he has to believe. Yeah. My, the pit of my stomach just went <laughs> you're walking out and then you're not going to fall to your death Yeah. that's how it felt you know that I was walking out on the 41st floor and I had a trust that it was going to work out for me I'd never ever been fired from a job I had never you know I just when I wanted a job I got it and then here it is it felt like the bottom fell out even though it was a, a warm and gentle you need to take care of yourself yeah. from my mentor. It still felt like <laughs> a suicide. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, business owner, uh, there's it's a double-sided coin. As far as my earnings, they were the best in my life because my company was successful. More than I could make with somebody else paying me my salary. However, you're painfully aware of the price of paper clips and paper and ink and, you know, tape, all that stuff. And the liability that you take on, it's all about you. Yeah, Yeah, because if it fails, it's you. It's you. If your team fails, it's you. And my husband said to me the day that I found out I was, he comes home, he was teaching adult ed, he was teaching computers to adult ed. It's the beginning of a semester. And he went in for the, I, I, I came home and I told him, and he had to go for his first class. And I was a wreck. <laughs> so he went to class, he was there for 15 minutes, he turned around and he told his class, <laughs> I, go. I have a family emergency, I've gotta, I've gotta go. <laughs> class dismissed, and he came home. Yeah. And he said, this is a gamble, and I bet on you. I never knew Yeah. And so he was my partner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This uh, Vietnam vet with PTSD who, you know, left jobs faster than anybody could and had authority issues and all that kind of stuff, you know? And <laughs> the he, box pusher. The pusher. Here I am telling you yesterday, I'm gonna don't keep me in a box. I'm going to blow the top on that shit. And you looked at me and you're like, oh, don't make me bring Jersey out. <laughs> That's the dynamic, right? Uh, but yeah, so it's 20, 24 years. And I didn't no longer had to commute into San Francisco from Pittsburgh for 17 years in this city. I commuted down the hall. I started the business in my home. Um, I was in the, in the home for about 11 years. We converted our garage, and as my business grew, I got a, I got personnel. I hired temps and did a night shift, and 
The crazy thing about that is my night shift went until 11 o'clock at night. They would come in at like 3. Yeah. Work in the dining room until Team A left for the day. <laughs> but if I had people working in my home, in my business, that meant, meant I had to in my mind. So yeah. they were long days, which are going to be anyway when you're trying to develop a business. Yeah. And Sacrifice. Then in 2008, we found a, a, a brick and mortar space. And it was weird because I was. And when in the beginning I was trying to battle the am I a real company you know I'm in, I'm in my garage yeah. you know yeah. but I had some people with, you know here's God again putting people in my life uh, an attorney friend of mine who absolutely took her practice out of the brick and mortar and went into her home yeah. and I had something to do with going there and visiting in, in this Slack event as she was teaching me and a manager that I had met who worked out of her garage, you know? Yeah. And I kind of kept that in the forefront. It matters not where I am doing my trade, practicing my trade. Right. I, I'm providing a service. I can do that from anywhere. Mm, that's smart. So my husband, who was very, he was the, the gadget guru, and I could be a cheap little bitch. Oops. <laughs> said... <laughs> All right, we're going to have to invest in a really powerful computer, a couple of really powerful computers. So I'm yeah. like, oh, do we have to? Can we kind of look along it? And he said, no. He said, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to have the power of many on, on your computer when you're just starting out. That's exponential. Yeah. That's exponential. So we, you know, we charged up every credit card we had. And went along your way. Opened up Pro Solutions. And, and, Three o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up and I'd have a bed <laughs> And I think, all right, I gotta get into the office. I felt like if I was in front of the computer and and working, that there would be money coming in. Yeah. I, so I had to do that. You know, I was like, get my pajamas, and then it would be a twelve o'clock noon, and I'd still be in my pajamas. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get ready to start. The <laughs> So if there's one thing that you could leave towards anybody that listens to this, what would it be? Whether it be about life, about work, about sobriety. Oh. We have about a minute and a half. Oh. oh, well, my sobriety has made the rest of that all better. My life, my business. Um, and when I try to be obsessive about, oh, my God, am I ever going to... Am I, have to, am I going to have to survive on Social Security survival benefits and, you know, or am I going to really practice my passion and make some money so I can survive? I really, God's not going to give me any more than I can handle. So that's where I have to stay right now. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Uh, don't look at like the rest of it, but look at like day by day for today. Just for I am today. not drinking for today. Just for today, and sometimes it breaks yeah. down for for this minute. You know, when you were going through your stuff, you couldn't even vision yeah. even the rest of the day. Yeah, that's true. So, 